good to see your faces this morning. <clears throat> Derek and I were at a conference this week, Wednesday through Friday, I think it was. Yes. Uh, Southeast Christian Educators Conference. I went kicking and screaming because it was going to be all teachers there. And I'm, not, I'm a preacher, not a teacher, but it was actually a pastor's track. Really enjoyed it, learned some things. And we also learned to trust God. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand, had fear this week that a terrible hurricane is coming to get us, right? People were running to, they were ducking and running. In Florida, rightly so, amen? But I've got issues when people build a house on a finger anyway. If you build, an, if you build a house on an island in the Caribbean, there's a good chance you're going to get smacked. Would you agree? If the Gulf of Mexico, just you take that, Haiti understands that, Cuba understands that. But here's what we do, we pray, and please, when you talk about the hurricane, talk about obviously God's providence. It should teach people to fear God, would you agree? God's in charge of all things. Now, why that came across Florida, I don't know, but while it went out to the Atlantic and made that soft turn back towards Myrtle Beach, I can tell you why. Because we had a godly uh, a spokesman, he says he wasn't a preacher, but he's the, he's the president of uh, Appalachian Bible College. And he just prayed like he was talking to God, like he was a friend of God, which we should be. But he spoke as a man who was standing right next to God and said, Lord, would you just, by your providence, turn it out to sea and make it a soft landing so we can finish our conference. So I believe that whole hurricane turned because one man prayed. Now, I could be wrong, but I'll find out when I get to heaven, but I, I think I'm right. And we all were praying together, Lord, make it as soft as possible after we knew the damage it was coming. We were sitting at Myrtle Beach, so... Uh, it would saying that, we've also called the Jacksonville Baptist Association and said, is there any churches that you're hearing from, Orlando, Tampa, anywhere that's out, that we can come and minister with chainsaws, weed eaters, clean up, whatever we're going to do. So if you're interested and you can take a couple of days off work uh, and you have the ability, and obviously we need people just to counsel because y'all know the cleanup's going to be uh, astronomical. So we're going to be taking a couple of days off. If we get a phone call saying, please come, we're not going in any official capacity other than brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ as well if you want to take off. And we have to have at least three to go. If a female goes with us, we got to, we don't travel, no male, female, unless there's three. There's got to be a, a triangle of us to go. But if you'd like to go, uh, just let me or Derek or Mike know uh, after service or, or Adrian, let one of us just pick us up and say, I'd like to go if y'all are going to Jacksonville. Or write it on your Connect card. That would be the best thing to put it in the offering plate. Say, I'm willing to go. And uh, we'll find out tomorrow when the, they open back up tomorrow if they have a chance to open and call us back. So that's, that's something we're going to be doing this week, volunteering our time, taking a couple days off if possible. All right, let's jump into today's sermon. And obviously, how the sermon ties into what's going on in society. Some people are of the opinion, y'all maybe heard this when you're, how many of y'all heard this? You can raise your hand so I know who we're talking to, talking with. How many of you heard when you were a kid, don't talk about religion and politics? Those are two things to stay away from around the family. Anybody raise your hand? Let me see. How many young people have heard that? Anybody under 20 ever heard that? Anybody under 20? Well, why are we not passing that on to the next generation? It's because it's unbiblical. Let me tell you, the Bible says very clearly it is God who has ordained the government. And the government was ordained not to rule us and run over us. The government was ordained to punish evildoers and evil. Did you know that? That's the purpose that God ordained the government. Well, who ordained, if you will, the church or what we call religion, we call it a relationship, who ordained the relationship with God? That's a duh question, right, kids? It is God who did that. So if God has spoken about the government and God has spoken about our religion or relationship with him, do you think we as his people should be speaking about it? That was the question. The answer is, why don't we do it then? Because why? 
We fear politicians and the repercussion more than we fear God sometimes. Now, when the hurricane comes, it's easy because we think we're going to fear life and limb and, and our, all of our posterity. Posterity, that's the word I'm trying to get at. Uh, we're afraid we're going to lose some stuff. And so we go and duck and run and we hide and, and then we come back out and then we kind of recover. Well, when it comes to what's more important, your house or the life of an unborn child, what do you think? I dare say it's not. We will say that with our mouth, but we don't actually act that way. Did you know that uh, the Supreme Court did this wonderful thing and re reversed Roe versus Wade? 60 million plus babies. It's not legal to kill them anymore. States have to make a decision. All 50 states have to make their decision. Did y'all know that happened in our history, in our time? Anybody know? Y'all are awful quiet this morning because you say, Pastor, well, you're setting us up for something. I am setting you up for something. How many of you have heard that actually Roe versus Wade was nullified by the decision? The Supreme Court reversed that, and it's not a national right to have. By the way, it was never a right for a woman to kill her baby. That was just propaganda 101, right? Right? Come on, church. I need y'all to act because y'all know we're going somewhere, and y'all going to get stuck. You've already lied to God and said, here am I, send me, right? So you've already made a commitment before I get up here. But I want you to see from the Word of God, we have something to do today. I'm going to challenge you as it were a hard thing to do. If you come to church for a softball, you came to the wrong church. Amen? Because we want to actually do the work of God. And listen, if they hate you, they hated him first. We're going to talk about that next week. They crucified Jesus. What else can they do to you? Well, don't you want to be like your Lord? Well, let's talk about this. Listen, so Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Dobbs decision. We know this. And in the state of South Carolina, we had an opportunity where it went to the House. And the House is supposed to be the junior guys. You know, those are the guys who every, every and I say guys and girls, I, I say guys because I was pulled out of the South and put in Chicago and Boston for a short time. So y'all, the people, us, men, female, it was put into the hands of the state. And here we are in the state of South Carolina. You would think South Carolina absolutely is a life state, wouldn't you? We're a very conservative state. And listen, the House voted, the juniors, if you will, voted to keep life in South Carolina from the unborn through. Then it got over to the mature Senate, and guess what the Senate did? Well, you will, except of cases of rape and incest, and they wanted to make exceptions for everything, uh, the, the procedures, and obviously the medical procedures that are necessary. We understand there's some things that, we had a miscarriage with our first child, so we understand if the child miscarries, those are not considered. Those are called medical procedures not considered of the taking of the life that the life is already gone. But our representative was very life-focused, uh, got to the Senate, debated, and then the Senate sent it back to the House, changing it, saying, no, we're going to do it for these exceptions. And we were, we were saying, with no exceptions, no matter what. You say, well, Pastor, that's harsh. It's amazing they even said on the Senate of the floor, uh, the floor of the Senate, the man who does the bad, and I know children are still here, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, talk, I'm trying to keep it here, y'all, I understand that the, if a man did that to a child, to a woman, he can't be punishable by death, but we can punish the unborn child. Isn't that amazing to think about? So it's back to now, the Senate sent it back with a rep uh, revised bill back to the Senate, I mean to the House, and the House says no. And the House and the Senate now are going to have these committees come together. So here's, what I'm gonna, here's why I told you all that. It's our responsibility of God-ordained government. It's your responsibility as a representative of the representative government to contact your senators and your representatives about what you believe about life. Just say, choose life, no exceptions. Because what is God's choice? If you were going to check a box, 
God says, life, no matter what, life with exceptions, life with all the options that I have, what would God choose? Life without exception, because I give life. God is the one who's the giver of life, no matter how life comes here. And listen, can he even use sinful things for his glory? Look behind me, that white cross there. It wasn't a white cross, but it was a cross of Calvary, a very sinful act of man of murdering the Lord Jesus Christ, even though he gave down, he laid on his own life. But that very worst thing, God can use it for his good. When man intends it for evil, God can use it for good. So it's our responsibility to speak to the issues, I believe, when we have a representative government, what little bit we have left, for you and I to speak. If you're 18 or older, you should be registered to vote, and you should be voting. Obviously, you should be speaking to those men and those women saying, this is what we believe, this is what our family believes, and speaking on behalf of your children. Do you, would you agree, church? If the Lord tells us to love one another, is it love, extending love to those unborn children? Is that love? That's how we should love. You say, well, I, maybe you've had an abortion in the past. Listen, God forgives you. All you have to do is ask him. We're not talking about the judgment of coming down and being the judge of anyone. We're saying actually don't be the judge of that child. A woman does not have a right to choose to take another life. She does not have her choice. That, that's God's choice is when he gives life, he's the giver and taker of life. Job tells us that very clearly as well. But when Jesus is speaking today on love, and I want you to see, we're talking about fruit of the vine. The fruit of the vine is not wine, what I'm talking about there. The fruit of the vine today is, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the what? branches if a man remains in me and i in him he will do what he'll bear fruit and you'll see when you go through as we preach he's gonna he wants you to bear fruit and then he wants you to bear more fruit and then he's gonna want you to bear much fruit he, he doesn't stop god wants more and more out of your life you say well, how much more can i give more than you're giving today he wants more there is more, more is possible with with christ each day leading you he can give you more and more I'll tell you another political thing that's coming up Shortly, and the kids might get a kick out of this, but it's really not funny. And I said it some time ago when everyone kept identifying for whatever they wanted to be. By the way, just for the record, boys and girls, I know your children in the, in, the, in the church service today because it's a family worship, because of the Lord's Supper. But boys, let me tell you something. Listen, boys are boys. You were born a boy. You'll always be a boy. You'll be a grown-up boy. We call men. And girls will always be a girl. Amen? And they'll grow up to be women. That's if, if the Lord lets you live. That's the situation we have in our society. No matter how you identify and how crazy are we as adults coddling these people who think they're identifying the wrong way. You say, well, Pastor, why should we meddle? I'm not meddling. I want you to tell you about what love is this morning. When we talk about fruit of the vine, we must give out love, and love is truth because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I was visiting with my brother-in-law last weekend. He says in Greenville County Schools, now there's a group of girls identifying as cats. They're called furries. And when the teacher tries to communicate with them, they meow in the hallway. They're talking, listen, this is, this is serious stuff. It's happening. This is how foolish we've become as the grown-ups. They're talking about putting litter boxes in the, in the bathrooms for these furries in Greenville Public School. Now, y'all think I'm crazy. Listen, I, we said this was coming, right? You can identify as a donkey. You're going to be able to identify as a giraffe. You're going to be identified as anything. How foolish can we possibly be as Christians and as people? We must stand up and say, this is absolutely ridiculous. Amen? A man is a man. A woman is a woman. A boy is a boy. A girl is a girl. The end, that's the way God made it. If you don't like it, listen, there's a whole lot of countries in the world that would accept you. Right? Amen? We agree to be different, and so let's be different. Let's be like Christ. Let's show this love. For, you say, well, Pastor, it sounds awful mean, doesn't it, this morning? 
Does it sound really mean to say a boy is a boy? Is that offensive? Not in here, but it might be to some of you. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be offensive. I want you to see what Scripture says. When you come in, listen, can you believe kids are identifying this way? God forbid, y'all, this is craziness. I never thought I'd see this mess, but it's here today. Let's look into the Word of God. Fruit of the vine equals love, and that's what I want you to see. And I didn't put the equals on there because I want you to see that's the nature of God. Look at your notes first. God's very nature is L-O-V-E. That's the nature of God. 1 John 4, 7 through, really 7 through 11 tells us that God is love. If somebody knows God, they produce love. Amen? You say, well, no one, I didn't get enough amens. Let's go read it ourselves. Let's go there. 1 John chapter 4. Let's go there. 1 John 4. If you have a Bible, obviously Mike's uh, giving you the Bibles in front of you there. He's uh, let you know there's one there. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. All these scriptures today will be on the screen, but some of them will. When you there, say amen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is what? Love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He was our substitute. He was the reason that we actually have salvation today. In verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, you say, well, love just covers a multitude of sins. That's true is what the Scripture says. But also love calls out sin. When we say, brother, listen, you're called into a sin. Matthew 18, 15 through 18, the Lord said, listen, if there's a brother called into a sin, you go to him quietly. And if you won't repent, you go to him, take two or three witnesses with him. And if you won't repent, take, tell it to the church. And if you won't repent, cast him out of the church. And today, we're so afraid. And by the way, preachers are, are quitting churches left and right. So many ministers are getting out of the ministry because they don't want to preach the word of God. I'm going to minister uh, social media, and I try to encourage them. There's some younger pastors, older pastors, and you would not believe the complaints they have. I can imagine the Apostle Paul saying, I cannot believe they cut my channel off. I can't believe they shut me down on social. Could you imagine Paul complaining about anything that we face today in America? Not even a chance. He was stoned to death. He was actually beaten. Paul took all kind of punishment for the sake of Jesus Christ. And if somebody says something ugly to us today, we get upset. Uh, we want to pout about it and tell everybody on social media, can you believe what they said to me? Somebody will say something or send me an email today about what we said in the Word of God. The Lord tells us to love as God loves. We didn't write the Bible. God had men of understanding and men who were filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom to write the Word of God as He breathed it out. And the Bible calls every sin that we face today in our society, He calls it out and sets it aside and said, this is evil and this is holiness. You say, well, I don't understand. Pick a subject. What does God say about it? Somebody randomly, I didn't set you up. Somebody randomly give me a topic today and we'll see if God spoke on it. Just throw it out. Abortion. Is that clear to God speak on abortion, church? What is abortion? Murdering a baby in the womb. It takes the woman's womb and turns it into a tomb is what it does. God says, thou shalt not murder he even said that in the Old Testament. He says it in the New Testament because he's God. His moral laws never change. Amen? Give me another subject, just randomly. Teenager, somebody give me a subject. 
Come on. It's, y'all know the culture. Y'all read the news. Put it up there. What's that? All right. The children are in here. Let's keep it PG. Immorality, right? So immorality, what do we do? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Listen, he said that in the Old Testament. He's a God of morals. His love for us says don't do this because he knows when we do this, whatever that is, it causes all of this. God always knows there's always decay and there's always punishment. There's always kind of lack of love that comes with sinning against him. He has a standard. He has a stop sign and says do not do this. Not because he don't want us to have fun. Not because he's a God of love. He says it because he is a God of love. And he understands if you do these things that are violate his holiness and his righteousness, you're going to have all kind of pain in your life. You'll have brokenness over and over and over again. Amen? We've experienced that in our life, have we not? When we do it our way, we get our results. We've messed things up. When we do it God's way, we get God's results. And we celebrate because God has a wonderful outcome. He said, well, I lost my job because I stood for what I believed. Isn't that wonderful? Amen? Because he said, my God shall supply all of your need according to your riches, his riches in glory. Philippians 4.19. Lose your job for standing for Christ. There's no way you can say, mm, you should have kept quiet. I, I didn't tell you to go meddle with that. He tells us to speak, right? To speak in love. And today, people are calling what we say in love, they're calling it hate speech. And they're turning their back around on especially Christians that stand by the word of God saying, you don't love, you hate. And this is love. The Lord's very clear. When Jesus talked about loving, he says the very nature of God is love. And out of his nature, he flowed to his disciples. When Jesus expressed his sincere love to his disciples, he was giving from his divine wellspring. Every time you go take a dip out of the Lord's water, listen, guess what's going to happen? Love, love, love. And when you have so much love from Christ, when you see someone broken down in sin, it breaks your heart that you want to speak boldly against it and you want to say what thus saith the word of God. The reason Christians aren't speaking today is because we're not reading his word. Watch this. I'll set you up for another smackdown failure. Ready? How many of us in here believe the word of God? All of it. Who believes it as, as the whole counsel of God? No, you don't. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm don't know. I hope I don't have to do it. I'm asking the Lord not to make me do it. But have you read through, I'm reading through Ezekiel again right now. Ezekiel is rated R, and if I read it from the pulpit, you would be offended those words came out of my mouth, even more offended than you are today. It is rated R, and it's questions of, God, why did you do that? Ezekiel's wife, God says, I'm going to kill your wife tonight, and don't you even, no frowning tomorrow, no complaining tomorrow. You get up, and you put your turban on, and you get dressed, and you act like it's normal. Because what's happening in your personal life is actually my prophecy what's happening to the nation of Israel. And this man had to go through all kinds of different things. And Lord, when I'm reading through it, going, Lord, that don't make any sense. Lord, but why would you do that to somebody, right? Because I'm thinking from a human standpoint versus God's standpoint. And so if you read Ezekiel from a human standpoint, you'll be really angry at God by the time you get to chapter 30, Okay. But I want you to read it from God's standpoint. We try to Americanize the text today when we read it. Going, speaking of the text, let's jump, let's dive in. Verse 9, let's back up to verse 9. John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep, in circle if. And by the way, do this to me, as we, do this as you go through your translation. If it says Jesus, I, mine, or me, I want you to just do a tack, do a count. Every time I say it, try to keep a count on your bullets in there. You should have got a bullet. We offered them to you. 
And if it says you and yours, I want you to put a tag, all right? Keep a different tally. Jesus is mine, my, me, I, or when he speaks to his disciples, you, your. Okay, here we go. Ready? Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command, church, you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard my father, I have made known to you. 16, how does it start? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you, you love one another. It sounds like it's just shooting guns of yous, right? Use my, use my. What is God saying? I counted it, by the way, when I did it earlier, I counted 23 times Jesus said, I, me, mine, and I counted 24 times he talked about you and yours. Do you think God's trying to get very personal with us? He's using, I got to tell you this this morning, it's not politically correct. He's using proper pronouns, right? And when he says you, and when he spoke to his disciples, there was a bunch of he's, right? A bunch of guys in there. Not how they identified who they were born. And so when God speaks very clearly, this is what I want you to do. I'm speaking on behalf of the Father. I'm speaking in love, giving you God's nature, giving you love from me to you. Now, he's going to speak about hate next week, so get buckle up, get ready. Because he comes out and he speaks about holy love. And then he's going to speak about worldly hatred. And even we'll talk about Godly hatred. Can God hate? Yes, the Bible says God hates sin. God hates sinful acts. And by the way, it might make you a little bit upset. I'll tell you ahead of time. Because uh, we, we like that we got this 21st century where God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. You can play that game all you want to, but if a sinner does not convert, what's going to happen when they die? Where are they going? They're going to hell. The Bible says God hates. If you read the Old Testament, he hates with a holy hatred. You say, well, how can God hate? I've always heard God is love. God is love, but his love is perfect. His love is holy. But God hates sin. And listen, up until you gave your life to Christ, Jesus himself said, you are either the father, you're of your father the devil, or you're of your father God. So you don't have to like it. It's just what the word of God speaks. If you would actually read the doctrines in the word of God, that listen, he does hate the sin. He does love us at the same time because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? That's life with him eternal in heaven. Everlasting life. That's what the promise is. But the opposite is true. It says we were enmity, at enmity with God. We were God's enemy. 
We're public enemy number one in heaven. Our faces on a bulletin board up there saying, sinner. And God's going to punish sin, right? Do you agree? If God hates sin, what happens is David even speaks out that God hates the sinner. The Amalekites. Go back and read how God says, listen, I want them gone. When y'all go into a town, wipe them all out. And some people say, I just don't understand why God wanted to kill everybody. Why don't you just save everybody? You know why? Because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden against God. They made a willful choice to choose sin over God. And every man, woman, boy, and girl that chooses sin over our Savior, listen, you're going to pay the price yourself. And we're all going to, pay, stay, we're going to live somewhere for eternity. We're going to live in heaven with God or live in hell apart from God. Those are heavy lifts. Would you agree? I don't like those words. I want to fix it. God, just save everybody. God, just kill the devil. Why don't you just kill him on day one? Why, God? Why? And sometimes we don't have time or even understanding to understand because God says, my ways are higher than your ways. You just do what I command you to do. He said, well, I don't like that. Get over it. Amen? You either got to go away from him and say, I don't trust God, or you got to go with him and say, I don't understand you fully, God, but I'm going to do what you commanded me to do. How do I love somebody that's absolutely doing things that showing that they hate me. How do I do it? He's going to tell his disciples later. Let's continue as we look in our notes. Verse 9, Jesus demonstrated the Father's love to his disciples. He gave them the love he had received. He said, as I received from my Father, I'm giving it right through you. He was just a funnel of love is what it was. Not a tunnel of love, but a funnel of love. God poured it out, came through Jesus Christ, and when he gave it to mankind, when he gave it to the disciples, who actually funneled it to us today? Because it's been 2,000 years. Who's giving it to us today? The Holy Spirit. He says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He, we are sealed, Paul said, to the day of redemption. Read it for yourself. If you take notes, Romans 8, 35-39, Paul says, What can take me from the hand of the love of God? And he names all these things, and he says, No, we are more than conquerors in Christ who loved us. Paul was sticking his chest out, if you were, and saying, Nothing can take me from the hand of God. How did he know that? Because God, he, Jesus knocked him off his high horse, if you will, Right? And Paul saw Jesus. Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, and he was never changed. Listen, he, he, was on, he just kept, he started out a small fire the Lord did, and Paul just burnt all the way to glory because he preached and preached and preached. He offended people left and right. He offends people today. The 21st century letters that we have, and when we talk about all the different L's of our society, uh, homosexuality in the whole list, Paul wrote mostly on that. People say, I don't like Paul. There's women teachers who say, I don't like Paul. He was a chauvinist. I don't know him personally, but listen, he wrote under the inspiration of God. Everything about a woman comes from God, and everything about a man comes from God, right? Where his nature comes. You look how, how you're wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God. It's amazing to see what God has done, amen? God has done a good work in our lives. Well, he gave them his nature. He poured out his nature, which is the nature of the Father, which is the nature of Jesus, which is the nature of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Let's look at this because we have a few scriptures to look at. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Let's go there. When you're there, say amen. See if you can beat the pastor to the passage. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. There, say amen. Very important doctrine for us to know and read today. We need to get to this and understand it. You there? Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. 
Therefore, from now on, we know we, we regard no one according to the flesh. Meaning, I'm not going to talk about your old ways. I'm not going to talk about you before Christ's ways. Because when people talk about, hey, Badger, remember that? Or Claire, you remember those times we used to hang out? That's before Jesus Christ. Everything before salvation is gone. Watch what happened to it. Watch this. The Lord didn't just turn the vacuum cleaner on. He stoked the fire. Watch this. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, church, this is for us. If you're a Christian, listen, this is just claim this and ride this all the way to glory. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become what, church? New. All things are made new through Christ. Verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Here's what we should do. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful statement this morning? Not no longer does he say, I'm judging you based on your sin. He judged Jesus Christ. He judged Jesus, his son, for my sin and for your sin. All of our sin was put on Christ that day on the cross. And he says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. You've got to come and say, Lord, I am undone. I know my sinful ways. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. The third day, and I want to give my heart life to you, and I want you to wash me clean. I want you to make me that new creation. And listen, when you ask him, he says 100% every single time, what's the answer? Yes, because God loves you. He loves you. Well, let's continue in your notes. Look at verse 10. Jesus knew the disciples must abide in his love in order to keep his commandments. There was, and by the way, you should put is, no other way. If you don't abide in his word, you don't walk lockstep with the Holy Spirit, you will not keep his commandments. You can't do it. You'll fail. In and of yourself, you do it your way, get your results. You do it God's way, you'll get God's results every single time. How awesome is that? And why do we mess up? Because we're hard-headed. We're stubborn people. We know better than God, or we're not reading what God says. Because when he speaks, thus saith the Lord. Right? Old Testament. New Testament. Thus said the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us clearly, abide in him. I was going to go break off a branch, but then I'd kill it the time I broke it. But y'all understand this. We're not, Mike talked about someone who prepared the vine last week. He talked about the fruit. Y'all understand it, right? What happens as soon as you pluck the grape off the vine? It starts dying, does it not? It's no longer connected. What happens when you snap off, if you will, the branch? What's it good for? Fire, nothing, really. And what happens if you go and listen, a vine that you can't destroy? Listen, out of that vine, you think of the gardener, the father. Can you see the picture that Jesus gave us? The father's there tending to the garden. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches, and we should produce much fruit. Isn't that a beautiful thing? If you abide in him, your life will be fruitful. If you do not abide in him, your life will be fruitless. So here's the deal. Measure your last week. How fruitful was your last week? Where you say, listen, I was fruitful with Christ. Listen, there's fruit all over the place. 
You say, what kind of fruit? And kids, we're not talking about berries and, and melons, and we're not talking about all that kind of fruit. What are we talking about? I'm glad you asked. Go to Galatians chapter 5. It's not in your notes either. Galatians chapter 5. And you there say amen. This is important. I know we're doing a lot of scripture reading, but we need to see it this morning. I want you to underline your Bible because somebody might ask you this question this week, and you'll be ready to give an answer for your faith, says Peter, right? Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What is the fruit that we produce? Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Isn't that amazing? It starts with love. Why? Because God is love. All this love talk, listen, I don't fully understand it, and I don't necessarily like it when I'm because I'm a boy, and we were roughhoused growing up. We loved, we were loved, but we showed expression of love by fighting, by being roughhousing, listen, by blowing things up. That's spending time together, setting on fire. That's how we express love. I don't understand all the hugging, and, and some of y'all have been hugging me more and more. I know, you, I know you're playing. I've, I've been feeling the pressure. My blood pressure's up. I've been stressed out every Sunday, and, and I, some of you just have you targeted me for hugging. If I had a penalty, I would actually call a personal foul, but I didn't. So I'm going to keep hugging you back. I'm going to keep on hugging you back, but I've got something for you to do. Uh, this is a commercial break. So hold your place right here where we talked about love. I need you to do this for me, man. Actually, Adrian gave me the idea without knowing he gave me the idea this morning. And I asked Barbara to come up. She's in nursery, so I was going to ever do it. But I'd like for you to stand up for this one. I want you all to feel the pressure of, of me when you hug me. Okay, here we go. Ready? Uh, this is biblical, so I'm going to read it straight out of the Bible. And this is how we actually, we want to be biblical. Isn't that right, church? Y'all said earlier that you've read the Bible and you believe it? Yes? Okay. All right. I'm going to read it for you. It's not on the screen, so I didn't want anybody to get a sneak attack on this. Only Adrian knows, and, and it was his idea. So if it goes bad, this is on uh, Brother Adrian. So <clears throat> he's right over here. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Now I want you to look around everybody real quick. Everybody just look around. Now this does not apply to your spouse, to your children. This is when you come in the church and when you leave the church, all right? So this doesn't apply to your, your personal family. This is other families. Ready? Go ahead and lick your lips. We've got something ready coming. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All right, now what I want you to do is turn around. I want you to smooch your neighbor. Listen, okay, why is everybody looking at me like that? That's biblical. That's what the Bible says. All right, all right. You don't have to kiss anybody. All right, Adrian's going to start to kiss. All right, everybody have a seat. Why'd y'all look like that? Oh, no, are you kidding me? That's how I feel when you hug me. I'm supposed to smooch you. Don't be kissing the preacher either. I had a man in Turkey kiss me here and kiss me here. I was ready to fight. I'm like, oh, the missionary's like, calm down. That's a culture thing. I had to, get, I had to be taught that. I had a man in Africa holding my hand that stressed me out. I'm like, oh, my word. He's got my left hand, but my right one's free, right? And the guy's like, no, 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 no. He, he trusts you. That's why he's talking with you. He's, he's close to you. Y'all, it's just a culture. Sometimes you just, you, you're wired a certain way, and God's got to rewire you. I understand. Don't you understand that? The new creation still we still got issues in the new creation because we still war against the Spirit. So what are those, if you will, the Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit? How can we be fruitful? The Bible is very clear. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, self-control. And, and the Lord just put that in there, told Paul to write it in. In such things, there is no law. There's no rules for this. It's just do it. Just abide in Christ, and you'll produce love. Let me give the notes as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. Prepare hearts. 
Jesus equipped his disciples to have maximum joy in life. Don't you want joy, church? The Bible says if you stay in his word, if you abide in Christ, because this is for Christians only, by the way, if you abide in Christ, your joy will be made full. When you go through cancer, heart disease, you, you fill in the blank what you're going to go through in life. If you abide in Christ, based on the word of God, your joy will be full and complete. It's amazing thing about it, isn't it? You say, well, you don't know what kind of week I've had. Me either. I don't know, but God does. And he promised it from his word. Otherwise, God's a liar. And church, is God a liar? No. Thus said the word of God, it's true. All right? Jesus equipped his disciples to have maximum joy in this life. Jesus emphasized the strongest demonstration of love was to sacrifice one's life for another. He was foretelling them of his pending death on the cross. Even today, if you hear stories, war stories, of people jumping on grenades or people stepping out in front of traffic, people doing stuff for the love of the good of the others, we understand we, we, we put all kind of medals on his casket or we give them accolades saying they did this great thing because we honor that still even in society that's so far from love. We still honor someone's sacrifice of love. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He not ever having sinned. Jesus qualified his disciples as his friends if they keep his commandments. If they keep his commandments. That's a qualified statement from God. So don't just go out and say, I'm a friend of God, and then go curse God on the other hand. Now, there's football coaches in our area, and there's coaches, even if you love, like the <clears throat> certain other coaches that are in the area and colleges. It, listen, if you curse the players when you're angry, or you curse the referees when you're angry, and then you try to bless the kids or bless the players in the locker room and say God is good, the Bible says, James is very clear, fresh water and salt water does not come out of the same channel. Amen? We must live it and speak it. We must walk it and talk it. We don't spend time actually speaking this way to this group and this way to this group. We are Christ ambassadors no matter where we go. Will we sin? Yes, we will. But don't try to come up and qualify it and say, listen, I'm a friend of God too. He's my friend. I love Jesus too. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And then go curse him on the other hand. You can't say God bless you and then use God's name and a curse right behind that. God forbid that that happens. If you're doing that, you're not his friend and you're not his follower. You cannot call Jesus accursed and call him father. Well, look what the Lord says clearly. Like Abraham, the disciples were called God's friends. James 2.23 told us that Abraham was called the friend of God. Jesus made it clear that his disciples were God's appointed, chosen and appointed men who were tasked with bearing much fruit. Aren't you glad they were fruitful? Look around. We're Christians here today. We're at the ends of the earth. Aren't you glad that the disciples were fruitful telling somebody who told somebody who told somebody about Jesus that we might be here today and receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Aren't you glad? Amen. I'm so thankful that they were obedient men who were chosen by God and appointed to do this task. 16, the second part of 16, Jesus intended for his disciples fruit to remain and be lasting or everlasting. How long does your fruit last? Listen, could you imagine thinking, some of us, we talked about this this week in the, in the conference, when we train up children, why do we do a Town Creek Christian Academy? It wasn't so we could have an elite academy. It's so that we can make disciples of Jesus Christ, come alongside parents and cast the vision, if you will, into the future. And he talked about something of actually casting in 100 years from now, those children will be teaching the next generation, next generation about Jesus. And that's when we try to give them a biblical worldview in our academy. It is painful. Listen, it's not necessarily fun all the time. Amen? If you work here, you know it's painful. The devil's at us at all, every corner. But God has a plan for us, and we want to fulfill that plan. Last two things I want you to see. In being fruitful, the disciples had a promise of answered prayer. How would you like it if you knew God would, 
100% answer your prayer. Anybody? Anybody willing to have that? Okay, if you abide in him, whatever you ask in his name, God will do. You have that promise yourself. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, whatever you ask in Christ's name, he says it multiple times in chapter 14, he says in chapter 15, whatever you ask in my name, my Father will do it for you. You say, well, I have a, I've got an answer to prayer. No, you don't. You've got a delayed prayer because God says yes and God says no. God says wait and sometimes God says my grace is sufficient for you. And you have to deal with that. You don't have to love it. You have to obey his commands. And finally in 17, Jesus insisted that his disciples must follow his command of love for one another. These things I have commanded you that you love one another. Here's a question for me. Do we love one another? Are you helping somebody in need? Are you bearing the burden? He said, well, how can I show love? How can you show love? In our community, sometimes you have to stand on the firm rock of the word of God to exercise love. And somebody says, well, that's not love, that's hate. Call it like you see it. If the word of God says it, listen, we must say it what God says, amen? In love as best we can. I know sometimes I sound forceful when we preach them because the word of God, I'm preaching the word of God, right? God hopefully uses the foolishness of preaching his word to change lives, but we must be pressed and pushed to go into a watching world because, listen, the world needs Jesus. And no one's going to tell them. There's not a robot. There's not an angel yet. Yeah, it's happening in Revelation. There's, there's nobody to do it but you and me. It's our responsibility to take this message of love to an unloved world. They want to know, is something real? Ask your friends if they have hope. Say, what do you have hope in? Ask your lost friends, what hope do you have for the future? Stock market, have y'all looked at your 401s and your 403s? Retirement accounts? People are wailing, there's wailing connection of teeth, right? Buyer's remorse? Who cares? The Lord is doing something through the hurricanes. The Lord is doing something through the droughts. The Lord is doing something through the financial downturn. Listen, we must be prepared with the word from the Lord saying, Lord, listen, things are bad, but God is good. Amen? And that's why we're doing the outreach to the ministries. That's why we do the blessing box. That's why we actually have a food pantry. That's why we're trying to reach out and help those in need that need construction or whatever it needs in Florida, wherever there's damage. We reach out in the name of Jesus Christ. Not for our glory, but for his glory, that his name might be made famous in Florida and South Carolina and Georgia and around the world. We have a responsibility, church. Listen, it's time to step up. You said this morning in song that you would do whatever he says for you to do. You'd use your talent, your intellect. You promised all those commitments to the Lord today, and that's a hard thing. You should have read the words before you sang them, amen? Because the Lord says, don't make a vow to the Lord, not keep it. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because we're getting ready to go into the Lord's Supper, and I want you to lie before you get before the Lord. How many of you are actually using your gift for the Lord here at Town Creek Baptist Church or beyond in your church? Don't raise your hand. Well, I ain't got time, preacher. Then you lied to him this morning. What if he makes time for you by getting fired from your job? What if he makes time for you by giving you a disability where you can't actually function in your job anymore? What if he makes time for you because you made an excuse? Don't be caught with an excuse before the Lord because he sees through everything. He knows what you think. He knows when you're lying down, when you're standing up, when you're sitting down. Listen, he knows all about you because he made you and he loves you. But he wants you to get busy for him and his work and his kingdom work. Amen? You have a responsibility. You have at least one spiritual gift. And if you're not a Christian today, you have an obligation to him to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. He does love you, but he will judge you if you don't accept him as, as accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, well, I don't like that. And I'll be honest with you, as a brother, as a friend, I don't like it either. Because i got friends who have died without Christ 
and I know their eternity. And it bothers me to no end. It makes me sick, makes me, Lord, is there a second chance in 10,000 years, please? Is there, I always want the escape clause, but there's none. It's forever and ever. We choose while we're living, when we follow him, when we take from that fruit of the vine and express his love, receive his love, and then give his love. The answer is either going to be yes or no. We have that decision to make. Let me pray for us today. And as we pray, listen, I want you to be mindful of the deacons. Obviously, the deacons will come during the invitation. I'll be here to the, uh, to the left. Mike will be here to the right. And listen, we're going to simply ask that question. Have you given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you being obedient to him? And are you exercising that gift, that love, through him, through his word, through, you say, well, I'm not a good speaker. He doesn't say any of that. He didn't tell you to be a good speaker. He didn't tell you to be a polished, whatever, politician. He just tells you to bear one another's burdens and to love one another. And the way we love is to speak truth. Let me pray for us today. Our God and our Father, Lord, as we prepare our hearts, one, to be obedient to your word when you tell your disciples, us, to love one another. Or we don't want to sometimes, we don't know how to sometimes, but Lord, you tell us clearly that you express yourself through the Holy Spirit in us. It's not we ourselves doing it, we don't have to make a decision. We just have to live life being prepared, abiding in your word and abiding in you, saying, Lord, use me today because I'm yours. I pray that's our first answer today. And fathers, we have opportunity to clear our hearts and minds before the Lord's table this morning that we would accept this, Lord, knowing what you've done for us and knowing what you're coming for us again. Lord, we're so excited as Mike leads us through this. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings you've poured on us. Thank you for letting us pray to you 24 hours a day, ask you for anything. And thank you for answering our prayers according to, Lord, your yes and amen. We need you, Lord. We're weak. But, Lord, in you, we're made strong. Bless your holy name this morning. Bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.